0: Bunch of dogs, that's some fun. If we die, we die together.
1: Man, man. You can get it done. You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's
0: a gleam, man. There's a gleam! Let's get the gleam. Alright, let's go. 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 What a piece of that championship. Put it in here. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? This is Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network.
1: God intended, that is the crows of blackness, i.e. the black crows. If you have not given, given, I just made up a word, if you have not dived into their deep catalog, well, come on, get with the program. They're going to be at Floyd Fest, by the way. Coming it up hang on there's a great guitar solo i want you guys and gals to hear hang on before we move forward here we go all right here we go rock and roll turn it up turn it up I want to envision this was playing, blaring out over Vigilante Truck Guy's truck stereo when he decided to do the bump. Yes, yeah, Shake Your Money is a great album, but it's not their best album. Their best album is the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion, album number two. I would even go as, as far as to say that Amorica might be a little better than Shake Your Money Maker, but it is the album that broke the band. And they're going to be at Floyd Fest. And that not work for Floyd Fest, but I am uh, telling you they're going to be there, and I'm going to be there. For Black Crow's night. 639-4900. Now they had to get you going, right? Going down the road. 744-2990. I mean, you got no fake rock and roll right there. You got no hairband, late 80s poison vibe. Oh, I said it! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never never understood the whole poison thing. Sorry, just just did not. All right, so yesterday, Bill Roth mentioned it in studio, and I've had four different requests from you. The listening public and I missed it yesterday we were busy on the show and it was kind of a bad day and you know everything going on uh, down where I work so people are asking you got to do the uh, the speech I've played it a few times and what this is going to be and it's a terrific movie there are a lot of I I can't say that about too many movies especially coming out of today's Hollywood where they don't care about the product all they want to do is you know, pander politically or have some kind of agenda they believe in that's against the, the moral fiber of the country. So, uh, But this movie, if you're a sports fan, The Miracle, if you want to go back and relive the 1980 Miracle on Ice, it is the greatest upset uh, in sports history, bar none. And Kurt Russell, who I don't know if Kurt Russell's ever been bad at anything. Can anybody tell me, has Kurt Russell ever had any role where he wasn't good? Right? Ever since he was the Jungle Boy in the Gilligan's Island episode. I think that's when Gilligan's Island was still being filmed black and white. That was the first thing he did. Jungle Boy. Does anybody have any idea what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So Kurt Russell's playing Herb Brooks. He absolutely nailed the character throughout. And what you're seeing here is, this is from, by the way, Herb Brooks, who was there in the production meetings telling them how it went, to some of the former players. And he's in the offshoot. Again, Bill went into it. The, the, the scale of this upset really can't be comprehended until you break down what that uh, team out of Russia Had meant to hockey worldwide. As he said, they destroyed the NHL All Stars. They destroyed Team USA in the first, the exhibition round, just, you know, getting ready for the tournament. They destroyed everything in its path for a number of years and never lost until these teenagers and college kids (laughs) upset them four to three. And this is for the uh, peeps who have asked. I've played it a couple times before. You know what? It will inspire you. And by the way, I did, speaking of inspiration, I did post Acrobat Guy at halftime last night at High Point, both on the uh, BDST Facebook page. Facebook, the electric friendship generator. And also on our Twitter account. I can only put one video up on the uh, Facebook page, but it is the finale, and you'll get a chance to see it. But this is Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks, and this speech, by the way, is pretty much word for word with what Herb Brooks said to the team and the way they kind of just pot the music up in the background. This is going to give you some tingles, almost like uh, in a different way than what uh, what you just got from listening to the Black Crows.
0: Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team
1: in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you.
0: And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time
1: is done. It's
0: over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
1: I mean, I'm telling you, I got chills. I'm just sitting here. I mean. And boy, did they go out and take it. And, you know, it was something yesterday. And I made this observation yesterday to a couple of people. This was – also, most people in this country, let's just say it the way it is, throughout different regions, you're not hockey fans, right? I am. I love hockey, even though we don't have a professional team. Um, Maybe it's an acquired taste, right? And maybe that's the case. But yesterday should have been more of a national salute to what this team accomplished in 1980 not only the win to get to the gold medal game and who they defeated, but what they represented that embodied a certain time, a certain era of this country that's only been, what, 40-plus years ago, where patriotism, pride in our flag, pride in what America stands for or is supposed to stand for as the world's all-time greatest nation – and how we all got behind that, and nobody cared how you voted on Election Day. Nobody challenged every little thing that they were offended by and accused you of being in a certain category because you disagreed with them. And I noticed yesterday, yeah, there were some mentions of it. There was a little bit of social media on Twitter about it. But it wasn't celebrated enough. There should have been, God forbid, ESPN ever do anything other than cater to Disney and its own politics. But ESPN or someone should have showed the entire game. ABC has the rights, because ABC was carrying those Olympics, to hear Al Michaels on the call, which I'm going to play a little bit later as well. And I know I'm a day late on this, but... There should have been more of an effort to remind people, and maybe it would have just shown people, hey, look, America was united. We were pulling for each other. We were pulling for these guys for all the ideas that, and ideals that America represents as opposed to communist Russia. But, nah, it, it didn't get celebrated nearly enough, in my opinion, yesterday. I'm glad that Bill brought it up. I really do. I'm glad that he brought it up yesterday because it was the anniversary of it. And here in the background, you're going to hear this is Al Michaels. Into the American end, the actual call.
0: The I will
1: in. now move aside for greatness.
0: 43 seconds remaining. Morrow. Checked into the boards. It comes back to center ice. 38, 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it. The Americans on top 4-3. Long shot. Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carl Shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson. 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. The off. gets checked by Ramsey. The Clanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable.
1: I believe it's the greatest call in the history of sports broadcasting. I really do. Right, Five words is the greatest call in the history of sports broadcasting. Do you believe in miracles? And I think it's a lesson to a lot of the younger broadcasters that are coming up, that come by all the time, solicit me for advice. Less is more. Do you believe in miracles? In real life... I don't think I do any longer. But this one day back in 1980, February 22nd to be exact, a miracle did happen. And it was draped in the wonderful glory of sports, which is why you're all assembled listening to the program and why I decided to do this for a living. We need more miracles. More so today. In this world, especially in this country, and where we're headed than ever, ever before. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And I appreciate the people that asked to hear all that. We try to aim to please here on the request line. <laughs> Stay with us. More coming up.
0: Whoa, time out. Big Dog Sports Talk is taking a timeout. Oh, wait a minute. Time out. You want to say that one more time without the sarcasm? BTSD will return in a moment on WRAD.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Got a little man of Magioni. Kind of reminds me of the background music at the beginning of Hill Street Blues. <laughs> Story! I can't remember any of the actors' names in Hill Street Blues other than former UCLA Bruin point guard Michael Warren. I think Ed Marinero was in that as well, wasn't he? Former Minnesota Viking, New York Jet, the running back. Wasn't he in Hill Street Blues, Ed Marinaro? Am I remembering that right? Wayne? Wayne, check me. By the way, um, we just played the Al Michaels call, right? Well, here's the other alternate call that happened at the end of that 1980 uh, Miracle on Ice. Oh, oh, my. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. (laughs) Well, maybe I was wrong about Al Michaels call being the greatest of all time. I mean, it just fits, right? Let's go back to yesterday. Hey, look. Vigilante truck guy just bumped idiot slow guy in the left lane on the interstate off the road. Oh, oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. (laughs) See? (laughs) I mean, what part of life doesn't it fit? (sighs) Oh, no, man. I went to the grocery store, made a list, and I forgot. Oh, my goodness. I forgot to get the loaf of bread. Oh, oh my. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. <laughs> So I'd been talking to Sheila for weeks, and I just said, you know what? She doesn't even text me back. I hear she's going out with some guy. And then out of the blue, she says, hey, what are you doing Saturday night? Oh, oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that was out of nowhere. Uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so Wayne is saying Vigilating Truck Guy was actually Snowman from Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> Uh, all right. See? Wayne comes through. All right. Here we go. Here's the cast. So it wasn't Ed. Ma- it was Ed Marinero. Ed Marinero played Joe Coffey. Joe Spano. Wow. Ooh, that's right. Hey. Veronica Hamill is Joyce Davenport. Nothing wrong with that. Michael Warren, UCLA. Ed Marinero. Michael Conrad. He was great. Michael Conrad was Phil, the. Uh, The guy who would bring them all together and say, hey, hey, and remember, let's be careful out there, right? Betty Thomas, Dennis Friends, yes. Oh, my goodness, I forgot about Dennis Friends. No wonder this show was so good. All right, now they're saying, hey, will you play the Hill Street Blues thing? (laughs) All right, you just heard Chuck Mangione. He feels so good. It's not the same. I'm not saying it's 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 not going to be exactly the same, all right. I'm not saying that it is. It's close. At uh, hang on. I don't want to. I don't want to play the ad. It's close. It's not exactly the same. Here we go. I mean, it's just got the same vibe. Is all I'm saying. Here you go, Hill Street Blues. Great show, by the way, from 1981 to 1987. I remember watching Hill Street Blues. All right, I'll shut up now. Here we go. It's Mangione-esque, right? A little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. (laughs) We're halfway home on a Thursday. Good therapy, as always, talking to you, the uh, smartest listening audience in radio. Coming up when we return, Andy Bitter. He covers Virginia Tech football for The Athletic. A lot going on, right? I mean, we're not even out of February. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of questions coming in for Andy. We're going to share those with him. Get his take. Hope you're well wherever you might be. Text line's always open. Great stuff coming in on the text line. 744-2990. Lots of people saying what vigilante truck guy superhero costume should look like. We'll be back with Andy Bitter when we come back. top of the hour. In about an hour, Dwight Vick will join us. You can keep your text messages flowing in. A lot of them coming in this morning. We'll get back to Vigilante Truck Guy when us now on the program. He's your Virginia Sports Writer of the Year. He covers Virginia Tech football for The Athletic. His name is Andy Bitter. Andy, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing pretty good. I'm looking forward to this weather today. Oh I mean, how about that? Is anything better than record setting temperatures in a good way toward the spring here in February? I love it. When it hits seventy in February, and March, just out of principle, I have to go to the driving range.
0: <laughs> just, it's just a hard and fast rule I have. Like I drop whatever I'm doing that day. And I'm like, I just have to go hit golf balls. Somebody has given us this day to
1: enjoy, so
0: I'm going to go enjoy it.
1: Yeah, you're like, honey, you got the bag on your shoulder. She just nods. Yep, I know, I know. See you later. See you later. I get it. I get it. Uh, All right, so a lot going on. Speaking of see you later, uh, uh, Brad Glenn out at Virginia Tech. A good opportunity for him. And – First of all, talk about. Is this something? I don't want to say obviously Coach probably knew it was going on, but when did you think this was going to be something that was going to be uh, announced like this? Was it working for a while or did it happen quickly?
0: Well, it had to have happened in the last week because they they sent out a thing we were going to talk to assistant coaches, and Brad Glenn was on that list. Okay. And that was a week ago. So. It it, it all came together. I don't know how early Cincinnati had been talking to him, but I I think they lost their offensive coordinator somewhat recently uh, to the NFL. Mm -hmm. So it it came around pretty quickly. And uh, he and Satterfield go back. They coached together at Appalachian State. And uh, you look at the salary pool that Cincinnati has available, I think it's $7.25 million. Virginia Tech's at five and a half. And people are like, oh, Virginia Tech, is, that's terrible. It's embarrassing. Actually, Cincinnati is up there nationally uh, with somebody. I mean, there's only like a handful of schools over $8 million. Uh, so Cincinnati is making a, a huge commitment to its assistant coaches out there. So they had a lot of money to go out there and hire somebody like this. So you, know, you can't really fault Brad Glenn for, for you know, probably getting a, a pretty good raise out of this, going and being an offensive coordinator again, coaching with somebody he's worked with in the past it seems like a pretty good opportunity
1: yeah absolutely and and people that you know chimed in here forgot they're like, why, why would he leave a power five i said well he's kind of going to a power five they're going into the big 12 so uh, but yeah you're right and, and and people always want to look for like oh there must have been some animosity but no it just sounds like reading your piece i mean this like you said this was just uh, an opportunity that he couldn't pass up as all yeah and i don't
0: know if there's animosity uh, I mean, it seems like they were set to, to work together again this year. So I, I don't know if he was actively looking this whole time to get out. I don't want to say yes or no on that when I don't have the information to it.
1: But, yeah, right.
0: Uh, and the other thing is, Cincinnati has been a great program, a much better program lately than Virginia Tech. Absolutely. I mean, they played in the playoffs a couple of years ago. That program uh, has been great. I mean, that's part of the reason why the Big 12 is adding them uh, this summer. So. Uh, yeah, this is just sort of part of the coaching industry. As guys move, opportunities come up, and, and you, you're placing as best you can.
1: Timing, not ideal, though, correct? I mean, like you said, I mean, he's on the list to talk to you guys. You're heading in. The quarterback battle is going to be highly scrutinized. I mean, and now where do you think uh, any early inklings as to where, um, you know, Brent Pry may go here? You know, I, I'll
0: say this, I don't know. Uh, I've seen a lot of lists out there of guys that make sense just because of past connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you used that logic when they were hiring this the first time, you wouldn't have had Brad Glenn on there because Brent Pryde never worked with him. He had never worked with anybody on the staff. I believe he just sort of crossed paths with them over the years. So uh, this is the first time uh is making a hire that is, you know, since he, he, put together that initial staff and I don't really know what direction they're going to go. Uh, and that first time, uh, you know, the only, the only time they got to like an interview portion, uh, of those jobs where they actually considered a couple candidates was the very last hire they made Fontel mines. So if, if history is any indication, pry has an idea of who he wants and, and, and already, and it sounds like the, the wheels are in motion to put them in place very quickly. Uh, possibly within the next couple of days here, uh, especially with spring ball starting, uh, you know, less than a month from now, they've got to get moving, get that person in. Because as you mentioned, they have a quarterback battle here to decide. The they have a lot of guys that are, uh, you know, going to be dependent on whoever they hire here to refine their mechanics and, and be in charge of the, that room.
1: He is Andy Bitter. He covers Virginia Tech football for The Athletic. And one of the many reasons that make you so great at what you do is that you're, you're, you're well thought out. Like, you don't write about something until you're like, okay, you know what, this is, now I can go ahead and, and write about this. So what you, how big of a blow is this or is I mean, you're right. It's the quarterback battle. It's a, obviously the most important position on the field. They bring in uh, a player that uh, you know, fans are drooling over because of his workouts and so forth. You have the incumbent returning and now all of a sudden here's a new guy in the room. How how big of a issue could this become, or do you think it'll be something that, you know, will just kind of eventually flow into the spring?
0: Well, how about this for a well thought out answer? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we always want to act like we have the answer right away. I have no idea. I mean, for one thing, and, yeah, I talked to Pry in the off season, and he, he spoke, you know, I asked him, you didn't make any changes in your staff. You guys went three and eight last year. Usually, you, people are clamoring for changes. You change something up, and he's like, the consistency in the staff pays off down the line. And any kind of absence or you're turning stuff over is a chink in the armor, was the phrase that he used and that. You know, they spent an entire year teaching, an entire year trying to instill their culture, and yeah, they didn't get the results they wanted. But that's sort of baseline stuff that you then build off of in subsequent years. And when you turn over parts of the staff, all of a sudden somebody new has to come in and learn that style of teaching and learn that culture, and the players are hearing it from somebody new. So, from that sense, yeah, I think it could be an adjustment. Uh, you know, it's only one one coach out of. You know, ten assistants that they have. Well, you know, one out of five on the offensive side. So, uh it's not like it's a completely new voice that they'll be hearing. They still have Tyler Bowen as the offensive coordinator. Uh, the other, the flip side of it is this offense was ranked 119th in the country last year. Like, is anybody leaving really that integral to the operation of the whole thing? So, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to overstate this thing. Say it's a huge loss. or oh it's no loss whatsoever. You know, Bowen is the offensive coordinator. It could be a huge loss. It could not be. I don't really know at this point. We'll see who they bring in. And, you know, typically when they bring in a new coach, the players all, you know, are think that new coach is great. I'm like, oh, they're teaching me new stuff. This is fantastic. And uh, I think they kind of roll with the punches because I think everybody sort of knows what this business is, is that, you know, guys move on to better opportunities, and somebody new comes in, and, and they can do a very good job too.
1: And I think that number you just gave, 119th in offense, is probably also the reason why so many fans—and I looked it up—I bet 90 percent, Andy, that have chimed in want or believe the Drones kid's immediately going to be the starter, a kid they've not seen play ever before. They see the workout, uh, and they—he won an award, and they're talking about all the pressure he's going to put on. Uh, Grant Wells? Sure he is. That's competition at every position. That's what Coach Pry wanted. But I guess the old adage, the most popular guy in, the, in town is the backup quarterback. Well, you know, Jones hasn't even earned that yet, but yet it's, it's interesting to me how many people are already just assuming he's going to come in. I know he's had a great workout. How, I haven't heard much about it on the other side. How have you heard? Have you seen anything at all from Grant Wells or heard of how he's getting through these, uh, these morning, just the hunger drills games, if you will?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing fine at them, too. Uh, you know, you're talking about this quarterback battle. I don't think that Virginia Tech was a quarterback away from being a great offense agreed.
1: last year. Agreed, agreed, yeah. Right?
0: I mean, it's not like oh, they had drones last year, and well, I was on their 20th nationally. <laughs> it's just that's, right. that's a logical leap that <laughs> right. you can't make. Right. This offense had multiple issues at every position, basically. Uh, you know, quarterback struggled. No running back was consistent. Uh, you had basically one receiver who could push the ball downfield or consistently get open, and even that, I don't know how consistently. Caleb Smith got open. Uh, you know, tight ends. You know, didn't have, like, a total package tight end, but had some some guys pieced together there. Uh, and then offensive line, obviously, was a, a major issue. And if they don't get that solved, I don't know how much uh, any of the rest of it matters too much. So uh, they had a lot of things that are going to have to get fixed. And now you had three new receivers to this mix, another running back that can be a consistent uh, threat there. You know, Maybe Grant Wells looks a little bit better with some help around him. Uh, who knows? I mean, that's what spring ball is to, to figure out. I know the drones adds competition to that room, and I think that's what it needed. And I think they needed another option that they could possibly feel comfortable turning to. I know they, they talked up Jason Brown so much last year as, as a backup guy, but you know they, he was also miles behind Grant Wells in the competitions, at least according to Brad Glenn when we talked to him. Mm-hmm. And it was a guy they never really felt comfortable going to, even though the offense did struggle. So they just need other options there. Uh, you know, if it's Wells and Drones is the backup, at least they have a solid backup that they can turn to if things aren't going great. And if if Drones beats them out, then that's uh, probably another good sign for the offense. That means they've improved at that position. So, and I, I think things can only get better. And it seems like they have gotten better on the offensive side. Just with with the amount of talent they brought in across the board.
1: He is Andy Bitter joining us on the program, the Virginia Writer of the Year. He covers Virginia Tech football for the Athletic. So, Ed Listing in Rural Retreat wants to ask, and it's a good question, I guess, do you think Coach Pry would ever evolve into a two-quarterback system? See that a lot in college football, or do you think that not fits what they're going to do in year two?
0: I don't think so. I, I can't remember if we've asked him this specifically. Maybe we'd ask Glenn about it. Uh, it just never worked. <laughs> I mean, you can count – The number of two quarterback systems that have worked in like one hand. I mean, it's it's like agreed, yeah. Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, (laughs) and it's like, (laughs) and when you do it, it's got to be guys that are just radically different. It's got one guy has sort of a niche package to come into, uh, like Tebow did around the goal line, and the other guy is basically your primary quarterback. But anytime you have two quarterbacks and you're rotating them by the series, or you get a couple series and you get a couple series, it just you know, when you're on offense, you want to look to somebody who's in charge of that whole thing. If you never know who's going to be calling the plays or who's behind center, I, I think that is a difficult thing to do. It's just a different position from anything else on the field, where every other position you're rotating guys in and out, and you kind of understand that's just how the game is played. But quarterback, it's such a leadership position. It's such a central position on the offense. And I think you need that rock, that guy. Uh, that can be there every down, and, and sure you'll you'll swap out for a wildcat every now and then or something like that. But you know, in however long football has existed, I mean, there are just so few instances where two quarterback systems have worked that I would imagine that Brett is not like, hey, throw that on my plate too. <laughs> He's trying to turn this thing around in year two, it just seems like a daunting task.
1: I agree. I mean, I think it's hard enough to play that position as it is, much less wondering which package you're going to be in there on, which field position all of a sudden you're running off the field to have somebody else come in. It just, it seems like it just creates a lot of un, uh, unnecessary chaos. Uh, you had a good piece as well about the consistency of the offense. Uh, what did you learn when you dug a little deeper talking to the coaches and, and what you're going to see uh, year two from Tyler Bowen and what, what kind of consistency they're looking for the most? on offense.
0: Well, I don't know if I learned a whole lot from those conversations. I think Tyler <laughs> Bowen talks a lot, but he doesn't say a whole lot mm-hmm. when he's talking to the media. It, it just kind of words that fill the, the air. So I don't know if I got a clear idea of what, what they're <laughs> what's going to change offensive. It sounds like they'll do more RPOs. Uh that was a, a big thing in offense as he's done in the past and, and maybe not as much last year. And that might have been, uh, you know, personnel related. If they don't have the guys to run it, then they're not going to do it a whole lot. I think they have more guys that can do that uh, this year. But, you know, you you talk to these coaches, and the two coordinators especially talk in such generalities that it's hard to figure out exactly, you know, narrow it down on what they're going to do. You know, ironically, Brad Glenn was the one who gave the most detailed answers whenever we talked to him. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping whoever they hire as the quarterback coach comes in and is similar in that sense because he was very helpful in getting information about the offense. So I, I don't know. You know. Other than more RPOs, I don't really know what changes. Other than They just need to be better. I mean, how many times is it just simple, basic stuff that they were doing that would screw them up.
1: Right. Better players. I mean, when you, have,
0: yeah. when you start a drive and you have three straight false start <laughs> penalties to do it, you know, you know, Bowen said, don't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. It's like, yeah, you can't <laughs> lose 15 yards to start a drive and expect to put together a solid drive and score some points. So, I mean, some of it is just basic stuff that they've got to clean up the, the execution errors and the – the pre-snap penalties and stuff that just, you know, that shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over. Uh, if you eliminate a lot of that stuff, I think it makes it a lot easier to convert when you're not looking at third and 12 or something like that.
1: So uh, what do you have on the docket now coming up as we get another week closer to spring? We're heading into March, so uh, spring ball will be starting pretty soon. What, do you, what are you focused on here project-wise regarding the program?
0: Well, I'm going to milk these uh, coach interviews as long as I can. Uh, had something on Chris Marv today, called plays, and Kelly right. Lawson. They're very impressed with Kelly Lawson, uh, just as a linebacker prospects. Uh, you know, Sean Quinn says he can be an NFL guy. He thinks and he's added a little bit of weight. He's, he's you know at the same position. You know, this time last year he was a receiver transitioning to linebacker for the first time. So that sort of tells you what the potential is there for a guy who's you know six five, two twenty, whatever he's weighing right now uh you know you talk to joe rudolph offensive line a look there you know some defensive line stuff just kind of cycling through the positions and hoping hoping he can get me close enough to spring bowl. when we talk to some more people again
1: all right well we're looking forward to all that and it just keeps everybody focused and looking at certain things heading into the spring people seem so excited man i tell you year two has gotten a lot of interest already uh, with all the talent hopefully the talent that's been added at least on paper heading into camp and uh A.B., we appreciate you as always, man. I hope you have a great weekend.
0: All right. Sounds good.
1: There you go. That's Andy Bitter. You can read all of his stuff. It doesn't cost much. Subscribe to The Athletic, and he's got you covered day in and day out, what's going on with tech football. And I See, that's why one of the reasons I really enjoy talking to Andy. I love the honesty. I really, I really didn't learn much. <laughs> he didn't really say much. <laughs> it just got to be better. Maybe the quarterback wasn't good because the talent wasn't good. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, but people – they don't want to look at it that way. They want to immediately put it all on Grant Wells. And I have been taken aback by how many people are immediately just saying, Hey, yeah, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be drone shop." Uh, yeah, a lot of wisdom in Andy Bitter. All right, we're back to wrap up hour two when we come back.
0: I was listening to the broadcast, and I was wondering, what exactly is it? You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk. More BDSD next on WRAD. Peace, everybody. It's Craig Hodges. She's listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick
1: Watson. Holla at your boy. Peace. multiple NBA champion Craig Hodges with the Chicago Bulls. 639-4900. That's the wrap-up, hour two. Still getting vigilante truck guy, Ted. Dwight Vick at 835. The text line's always open for you at 744-2992. Little, little America there wouldn't be my choice of a return bed, but yet it popped up anyway. Good stuff from Andy Bitter. Um, a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement around the program. Simple premise sometimes always is the one that makes the most sense. Hey, why will Tech be better offensively? Because they're going to have better football players on that side of the ball, in theory, after the portal haul. Yes. Especially at wide receiver. Running back. O-line, to me, still the biggest question, even more so than the quarterback. That'll work itself out. I just... O-line, they didn't do a whole lot, at least not yet. But clearly, this is something that Joe Rudolph has got to feel pretty good about because there hasn't been a lot of effort, at least, to bring new people in. We're back for the power hour when we return.